CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Virginia Tech Week. Um, for the first time in a long time, this is not the uh, uh, season finale. It's just a regular season finale. The Cavaliers obviously will have a game after this one. Um but that does not mean that uh, that this weekend's matchup, or excuse me, this Friday night's matchup uh, with the Hokies is any less compelling or important for my sanity. Um, we're going to talk about Virginia's loss down in uh, Miami Gardens on Saturday afternoon, as well as preview Friday night's uh, matchup between the Hokies and the Hoos. Uh, it's going to be cold. Um I venture to say very cold. It does not look like it's going to snow, although at some point there were some early indications that maybe there would be some precipitation. So we're just going to be stuck being really, really cold. Um, and I say we because at, at UVA, we're, the press box is outside. So I, I, I still haven't yet figured out how to wear gloves and type at the same time, um, but I'm going to try to figure something out. Um, so before we get uh, started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Uh, we'll start up in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How are you, my friend? How's your uh, audio connection? We're going to be, we're going to do this or what? I guess we'll find out in 30, 40 minutes here. Um, I'm doing pretty well, Brad. Thanks for asking who Dave's on the board at who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer, Justin Ferber lived through his first experience at the stew and he is back on the show. How are you, buddy? Survived, survived the din of noise or whatever however you would call it. I don't know. Um, it was loud, though. I'll give him that. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Well, it, it's funny. Oh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, it is funny how if you take 7,000 people and just put them in a very small space, how it gets loud, right? Um, all right. So let's let's spend like maybe 30 seconds on basketball. Uh, as I wrote in the, in the weekend wrap, Impressed with the Cavaliers in the win uh, uh, over the the Rams, uh, eighteen nothing in fast break points advantage. Only turned the ball over five times. Really nice game from from Kyle Guy. Uh, I, I thought um, the way that they sort of handled things and, and when it got a little tight, um, some timely shots. I thought, you know, that's progress. Uh, uh, that's a that's a nice little building block for earlier in the season and probably a win that's going to show up pretty well later on uh ferber you were actually as as we're talking about in in the in the house on broad street uh what were some of your just general takeaways from that game yeah it was a really well played game i thought by both teams uh uva really lowered or limited the uh the amount of turnovers that they had which is really important against a team like vcu that likes to put pressure on you in the backcourt when you after you give up made shots so i mean i think they ended up with five so Obviously, great job there. And then they took advantage of VCU's turnovers. I think they ended up winning fast break points 16-0 or something like that, which kind of surprised all the UVA players we talked to afterwards and, and Tony Bennett just to see that sort of thing doesn't happen very often. So that was good to see. Obviously, Kyle had a huge game. Um, there's no other way to put it. 29 points. Uh, it seemed like he not only did he have a bunch of points, but he, you know, he got in the lane and got some layups. And then every three it seemed like he took he got he was able to create space for himself or somebody found him off of a screen or something and you could tell that VCU's defenders are starting to get frustrated by how many screens he was making them run through and and uh, Mike Rhodes mentioned that after the game as well so obviously like an all-around offensive performance they were able to get out and transition when they needed to but then also excel in the half court and then their defense was able to force a, a couple of key stops down the stretch and you know, get a they got that big offensive rebound that led to to Kyle's dagger three basically. So, um, 
an all-around performance. And, and since that opener against UNC Greensboro, the offenses look pretty good. Dave, I, I know you, like me, were, were forced to watch this thing on a stream that came like uh, 37 years behind live <laughs> action. So anybody who was in the house, anybody who braved the um, the uh, the crowd to to fight through all of the nastiness, which apparently was was on display, kids learning all kinds of uh, of words uh, at times in that one. But so That's anybody you who just got to put you know, your Erica Badu on and just tune it all out. You <laughs> <laughs> be people who had, who braved all that and were either tweeting or or most messages on the on the board. They saw it a lot faster than we did. Uh, what were some of your some of your takeaways? I mean, you have to be for the season as a whole. I think you have to be. <laughs> Uh, pretty happy that we've already seen Kyle God go off. We've already seen Jay Huff show his, you know, his upside. And then last game we saw Hunter. Um, I mean, as far as the VCU game itself, for Kyle to do that and kind of take on the role as the the man, you know, three games into his sophomore year, and in a very hostile place to play. Obviously, it's not Cameron or, um, but it, it's pretty hostile. Um, and he didn't back away from from the taunts. He didn't back away from the attention that VCU was paying paying to him. And you could tell. Look, we've seen videos of of Kyle working the off season since he committed to Virginia, um, and it's clear this off season he worked on being more than just a catch and shoot guy. And you know he doesn't have to be much more than that because he's so good at it. Um, but just adding that little head fake, adding the the two dribbles. Um, he was joking with Devin. I guess he gets three now. Um, his handle is much improved, but overall, I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty obvious to even the untrained eye that this team is not where the last few have been defensively at the beginning of the season. You know, they're giving up a lot of penetration. You know, teams are teams are scheming them differently, um, but certainly we're going to have to see improvement from from the new guys on the defensive side. And, and just you know, we we've talked at nauseum about you know how the pack line is. You know, it, it's a very synchronized defense. Um, only takes one guy out of place, and the whole thing kind of breaks down. And we've seen that more than we're common to, even early in the season under Bennett the last few years. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that doesn't improve from, you know, I, I think of the of the new guys, I think Hunter's probably the one who's closest to fitting in defensively already. Um, but Huff and Nigel, although Nigel um, is really good at anticipating passes and jumping the passing lane, he still struggles at times in, in the set defense. Um, so, you know, over the next few weeks, seeing Jay improve dramatically on defense and Nigel just kind of use his talents in the scheme. Um, if we don't, we, we've seen historically that once you get into the meat of the schedule, those minutes will go away. Um, I, I want to want to add one more thing. I, in talking to Mike Curtis, this is a um, I, I reshared the uh, conversation, the Q and A I had with him, and 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 he mentioned Kyle being chronic, you know, semi chronically fatigued last year, and that he was a lot of it was due to just sort of a, um, a, a kind of an unbalance in terms of his uh, his hydration. Just he he wasn't he wasn't staying as hydrated, and and that was causing him a, a lot of issues. And one of the big focuses for him in the offseason was, you know, not just diet but and adding weight and strength, but also hydration. And there were times during that VCU game where I thought he looked tired and then he would he would sort of summon something that I didn't know he had. And I think it it really helped him out on the defensive end. He's actually been I, – I don't have the number in front of me, but his steals 
stat right now is, is pretty impressive. And I feel like that's going to continue to help him out. Um, I, I think that we, we can get really focused in on um, Virginia's basketball, um, maybe the basketball team not being as, as maybe the team not being as close to uh, what we would expect from a Virginia basketball team uh, defensively, but the Cavaliers are also playing a little faster and I think that's good for them. If nothing else, even if it's something that they don't necessarily sustain or, or, or do every game, um, being able to get up and down the floor a little bit, push uh, tempo, take advantage when it when the advantages are there, like that's a nice gear to be able to have in your arsenal. Uh, and it's certainly something the Cavaliers have struggled with in years past. And, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see what a team, what a Virginia team that, that does settle down on defense, what they can end up being um, – overall if they continue to sort of play that well offensively and push the tempo you know what's what, what are they gonna look like second week of january you know like like that swing where they get they go on the road twice to um once georgia tech and they come back to to winston-salem like a couple of days later uh, what are they going to be like in those two games um I, the, for some reason that 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 i don't know if that's actually the technical midpoint of the season but that's it that that's the, the games i keep thinking about like what are, what are they going to look like offensively um in terms of their comfort level. Um, so I, I, I'm really excited to, to see where that team, where they go. I, I don't really care if they're not ranked. I don't think it matters. Um, I, I think that they've got, um, they got pressure on themselves. Um, and I think that's probably all it takes for right now. Um, let's, uh, let's switch gears um, and go from, uh, <laughs> from the Ugg boots of basketball to the, uh, to the flip flops of, of, of uh, South beach. Uh, where it was nice, it was y'all were freezing and I was not. Um, it was uh, it was a different sort of crowd on Saturday um, outside Hard Rock Stadium than the one I, I can. I mean, like that place. I mean, it's obviously gone over, gone through some renovations um, since the Marlins moved out. But that, I mean, it was it was legitimately like spring break '96 out there. Um, I've just never seen anything like it. Like I'm used to football games that have lots of people tailgating and, you know, throwing the ball around and stuff. I mean, like every single, like, let me try to explain this. This actually will be interesting. Let me try to explain to you what like this looks like. Okay. So they have these parking spaces that are essentially like little grids, um, that they sort of, they sort of have like, uh, chalked out on a mix of pavement and, and, and ground. Okay. And so each little square is like everybody's little utopia, all right? And so you bring a truck, and it doesn't look like – like most tailgates, there's like a whole bunch of people, and they've put they brought a table, and there's a meal or something, right? And that maybe there's a grill or something like that, but there's like several folks standing around. So like each one of these little like spots at Miami is like its own little its own little entity. And, and like so each truck, each car, whatever was pulled in each slot had – like I would say 65 to 70% of these cars – vehicles whatever had its own little sound system okay so its own little like couple speakers on the on the back on the tailgate or in the in the truck bed or on top of the car and they're all playing different songs right they're not all listening to the pregame they're all playing different music and i mean it is loud and they don't have a they don't give a single solitary crap about anybody else around them it's like in their little square which is barely as big enough to fit a car like they can do whatever they want and they got their grills and their and it was like every single one of them was like their own little country and i just i still I, like i've just never seen anything like it um and i don't know how much of that translated into the stadium um the press box at 
at Hard Rock is uh, is behind glass, so I, I I didn't really get a good gauge for how loud the crowd was when they were loud. Um, whenever the Hurricanes did anything well, they were they were pretty. Um, you know, you could get a vibe, but just when Virginia was on on offense, I couldn't really tell um, overall. But I do think that because the game was tight, more people came into the stadium maybe than were planning to. Um, anyway, the Cavaliers, you know, they were up 14 in the third quarter, and uh, Miami ends up scoring 30 straight to to win it. It did make the score look a little bit more lopsided than the game actually was. Um, it's funny to say that you know a game that they lost like that is the one that they're super disappointed in. Um, let's, let's start with uh, just your, our general sorts of, um, I don't want to say issues with the game. I, I didn't have a problem with the onside kick call. I did not have a problem with um, some of the other places where Bronco went for it. Um, I, I didn't have, in the first half, I definitely didn't have any issues with play calling. Uh, I thought there were a couple times in the second half where things sort of re- reverted back to the mean of what we've seen over the course of the season. Um, but overall, I think, you know, they just didn't, they, they made enough plays to win the game. They also made enough, they, they made enough mistakes to lose the game uh, against a team that has that much talent. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of confidence in itself. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. Um, any, what, what were some of your issues with the way things sort of played out Saturday afternoon? I mean, <laughs> it was, it was a weird game and like, you know, normally, if I'd have been able to talk on the, on the last podcast before my audio went berserk, I mean, my feeling leading into the game was, you know, Miami had more talent. If they showed up, they could really make this thing ugly, but I didn't expect them to show up. Um, so I didn't go into the game expecting to, you know, I kind of turned the game on. I was at home to watch it. I kind of started watching the game with the anticipation that it was going to be a long three and a half, four hours. Um what do you know? Virginia scores first. I get a little excited. It's fourteen nothing, um, and then once Miami made it fourteen all, I was like, "Well, they they woke up. They, you know, it, it's good to come out and at least you know show well to start with." And then when Virginia scored the next fourteen over the end of the first half and into the second, it's like may, maybe we got something going here. Um, but you know, as the game went on, I, you're right. I mean, I don't think Virginia played terribly in the second half. It's just they have such a razor thin margin for error, um, and you know obviously the the pick six was a was a big momentum swing. But even after that, I mean Virginia hung in, hung in. Honestly, it was inability to get one or two yards, you know, when needed, and just Miami showing up on a couple of big plays, and that that really kind of you know put the kibosh on any on any chance of Virginia winning it, but. I mean, even though the score was lopsided in the end, it was 31-28 with like six minutes to go. I mean, it you know, when Virginia finally turned it over on downs before Miami scored. Um, but all day, the, the fact that Virginia was in that game to the end is a testament in my book to how far they've come. Um, I mean, they gave Miami short fields all day long. I, I, I think Miami's longest touchdown drive, most of their touchdown drives were very short. Um just so the defense was put in a tough situation all day, um, and then when you combine combine you know not making the plays on fourth down late with you know with the questionable pass interference call, um, you know there's a few plays that changed that game. Um, I'm trying to be positive. I think it's a game Virginia could have won. It was there to take, 
I don't think it really changes the trajectory of the program. They didn't take that step. Um, for me, just showing up and not embarrassing yourself was was a pretty good, you know, a pretty good goal entering the game. Um, I don't I don't want to change how I feel about it because they were ahead during the game. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I agree with Dave. I mean, obviously, great start to the game uh, at fourteen nothing. I mean, I knew Miami would come back and make it a game, and when they did get to fourteen fourteen, I wasn't too surprised, but. Based on the way that UVA had played up to that point, I still felt like UVA had a good chance to to continue to stay in the game and it wasn't going to go the other way and, and get lopsided in Miami's favor. And they were able to do that. I mean, getting the next two touchdowns were huge, but it just seemed like that Miami team wasn't going to die. Um, you know, whenever they would get down, they would, uh, you know, they, they, they took it in stride and were able to come back and, and make plays. Uh, I mean, obviously, like like Dave said, there were just too many short fields, and uh, one of their touchdowns was a pick six. Um, obviously, Kurt played probably, like I said, maybe the best game of his career. Um, obviously, he had that one throw, and it just seems like when UVA has that one bad, bad throw or bad mistake on offense, it really comes back to haunt them instead of being nothing. Um, you know, Daniel Ham fumbles the punt and uh, in that play, and then obviously the onside kick though I understand that they were trying to be aggressive and they had seen something on film. Um, I didn't really like it because I felt like you shouldn't give Miami a short field when they hadn't moved the ball at all and you were up 14 points. That said, I understand the the, the aggressiveness and, and going out to try to win the game, and I think they did play to win the game. I thought Robert and I called a really good game. Um, you know, The stuff where they had Kurt moving the pocket and getting out of the pocket and getting himself space – and he was uh, undeterred by rushers. Uh, he was able to kind of get out of the pocket and make plays. And you saw that on at least two of the touchdowns, the one to Reed and the one to Ham. So, I mean, overall, you have to be pretty happy with how they play the game. And, and they competed um, in a way. And it wasn't like Miami just threw the game away either. I mean, Miami was playing a pretty clean game for the most part, even if they weren't scoring. They did have the pick uh, to, was it Thornhill um, in the first half? And... Uh, I mean, obviously that set them back, but UVA ended up negative in the turnover differential, and you just got to credit Miami. I mean, they're a good team. Um, that's a, that's a good team on both sides of the ball, and and they didn't look totally sharp at all times during that UVA game, but um, that's a team that could that could definitely play in the playoff, and uh, I think UVA acquitted themselves quite well. One thing that that stood out to me too was there, there were a lot of looks to, and I'm curious to see how Bud Foster prepares for this this weekend, but. Play calls. It was the you know we always the the common thing we 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 like to say is that is Dave's line about a lot of sentences that aren't a paragraph, and the uh, there were there were a handful of plays Saturday where he I, I feel like they may have done it with somebody other than just Zacchaeus, but it was definitely Zacchaeus several times where essentially the the flow of the play is to go outside. But the blocking is set up as if to block you because he's going to essentially he's going to catch it on one shoulder and then come back to the field. So essentially against the grain of the flow of the play. So the defense is coming towards him and the blocking is set up as such so that like when he essentially turns himself back into the middle of the field, everybody else's momentum is carrying him um, out away from the field. And I thought they, they really did a good job of of. Employing those plays of of that were well called, they were well schemed, um, well timed. I didn't, 
I, I didn't really feel a nine much in the fourth quarter. Up until then, I thought he, he was he was calling a really nice game. Um, now, in talking to him after the game, um, you know, he only talks to us when they lose. So I only ever see Robert and I when he's he's frustrated or what have you. But I thought he made a lot of uh, he made a lot of sense talking about how. They they don't just trust Kurt to to sort of go out there and just throw the ball, uh, and I said that he's never trusted a quarterback with more than what they're asking Kurt to do this year, which is essentially Kurt is handling all the protection. Um, Kurt is handling um, essentially the call at the line as well as the protection, as well as reading the coverage and making any checks. So he's essentially the offensive coordinator on the field. Um, whereas a nine is, is, has a week to make a game plan. Kirk has to essentially do it in 15 to 20 seconds. Um, now a lot of that he's basing off looks he, he saw previously. So that's one of the reasons he, he explained Kurt did uh, on Monday at the press conference, he was talking about the pick six and that essentially the safety did a nice job of sort of, um, making himself seem like he was more shallow than he really was. Um, and then what that sort of did was it, it threw Kirk's entire, um, diagnosis or, or, or whatever that of the, of that defense off. Um, and he just made a mistake thinking he could, um, you know, thinking that the, the pressure or excuse me, that the, 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 that the, um, um, that the defense was going to roll in a certain direction and, and didn't, um, other than that one play, I thought Kirk had a really good day and I thought a nigh, uh, you know, it, 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 whatever they're doing with him seems to be working. The problem of course, is when you ask, when you're asking a guy to go out there and be who Kirk has to be when they're, when they, they turn the ball over three times, one of them being directly for points. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. I mean, if you think about it, how well he executed for a while, but then one play that the pick six seemed to essentially change everything. And that goes back to that, that margin of error we've talked a lot about, right? This idea that, um, that, that each, I mean, look, each game has a pulse, and it and it sort of it, it sort of it, it ebbs and flows. Um, there are gonna be times in a game where you have to strike because the iron is hot, and you got you got momentum, you got to go. But there are also gonna be times when you sort of have to um, to to stay away from um, to sort of stay away from giving that back. And I thought Virginia did just did too much of that when they're when they're not able when they're not able to sustain drives or excuse me, when they are able to sustain drives and they score points, it's almost like there's a, there's a bell curve and they, they can do that for a while and then it sort of falls off the table. And so essentially what you have to do is you have to also make sure that, that you're not making enough mistakes to act to, to be asked to do that more than you have to do it. Um, and so I, I think Kurt is, uh, you know, he, he is obviously their best shot. He, when he is, when he starts the game, um, you know, with some easy throws, it's it's sort of um, it sort of snowballs and builds on each other, and and I I don't know what that means. I don't know what Saturday means for for the Tech game. I don't know if it means anything, um, but it certainly doesn't hurt that your quarterback's in a, in a good rhythm. Um, speaking of uh, the Hokies, let's let's start sort of breaking down this specific matchup. Ferber, what are your biggest concerns? about this game from Virginia's point of view. Uh, what, are you, what are your general um, sort of thoughts on, on Tech, and what do you think Virginia's biggest concerns are about this game? 
Yeah, uh, it feels like kind of like Groundhog Day, doesn't it? It's like the same. <laughs> I feel like every time I write the Virginia Tech preview or do any Virginia Tech research, it's like the same team. Um, you know, you look at their offense and you say, I mean, last year I would say maybe offensively a little bit of an exception. But this year, um, you know, you look at their offense and you're like, oh, this looks like a beatable team. Um, I mean, they can't. The running game is, is pretty mediocre. Um, it just is. I mean, the quarterback could run a little bit, but he had one big game at the beginning of the season that acu- that accounted for, like, uh, I don't know, like 30% of his yards or something on the ground. Um, they have one really, really, really good wide receiver. Um, I don't want to I don't want to slander anyone, but I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the best one they play all year, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Um other than him, uh, you have a couple other guys that can that can make plays, but this is not a team that UVA can't match up with and play with. Uh, they have big physical corners, UVA does, that, that can match up with Tech's wide receivers, and they have the guys that have proven that they've been able to tackle in space on, on jet sweeps and stuff like that as well. So um, it's going to come down to, like all these Tech games seem to, except for last year, um, it, it just, it's going to come down to plays in the red zone, turnover, short yardage, um, stuff like that. On the other side of the ball, UVA's offense really, really struggled against Tech's defense last year, but they were doing some weird stuff with the quarterback position and, and Tech was on a roll at that point last year. Um, Tech's defense is good. Um, they have a good secondary like they always do. Uh, they are missing to Terrell Edmonds who, you know, was a pretty, you know, he's an impact player for their defense, but Greg Stroman, Reggie Floyd, those are good cornerbacks um, who can make plays. Uh, at linebacker, uh, they have some guys that are really, really talented and fly around uh, in the other Edmonds, Tremaine and uh, Andrew Motuapuaka. Uh, you like how I did that? That's pretty did good. Did you just drop a Motuapuaka? Like yeah. out of nowhere. I well did done. it right, too. Yeah, well done. Um, and then like uh, up front, you know, Hill and, and, and settle and those guys can, they, they can make an impact on the game as well. So if UVA can play like they did last week, um, and even if they end up scoring right around the same amount of points, I think they can win. Um, but UVA's offense has been too inconsistent this year for me to, to predict it with confidence. Um, I mean, they'll have games like this and then the next week they'll, They'll show some flashes, but not really enough to, to put a game together. Like the Louisville game, I mean, that first drive, they came out like gangbusters and walked right down the field and scored, and then they didn't do anything else the rest of the day pretty much. So um, it's going to come down to consistency and a few big plays, um, preventing those big plays on defense. And then special teams obviously is a factor with Tech always, even with the new coaching staff. Stroman's one of the best punt returners in the conference, maybe the best. Um, and then they have a good kicker. So that sort of stuff always plays a factor. All right, Dave. What about you? What are you? What are, you, what are some of the issues you have other than the obvious that if they lose this game, you'll be heartbroken and and grief stricken? But generally speaking, about I mean, the about the Hokies, what do you think? I mean, at what point after like thirteen years can you be any more heartbroken and grief stricken? Like that's done. Like they lose, I'm used to that. Um, it still sucks, but you know, there there there's only so much one man can can take. So. That that part never bothers me anymore. <laughs> um, look, I mean, I think Justin is right. I mean, it does, it just feels like the same story every year. Um, there's been some outlier years in the last 13 <laughs> where where Tech has been kind of on a roll coming to the Virginia game, but I feel like recently 
they've always kind of been struggling and giving you that glimpse of hope leading into, leading into the Commonwealth Cup. Um, and this year is no exception. I mean, they they got really lucky <laughs> to, to beat Pitt. Um, you know, granted, you know, Pitt kind of took us to the woodshed a little bit. Um, the one thing I will say is I don't feel they're as physical as they have been in the last few years. They don't have much of a true running game. Um, you know, most of their offense is passing. And but they've got speed and their defense is their defense. Um for me, like you know, normally you say, you know, the only thing that really matters is is how you execute. I think for this Virginia team and, and this program, a lot of what happens on you know, a lot of what's gonna happen on set on Friday, sorry is what's going to – it's going to be dictated by how this team approaches this week. Um, I think the coaching staff um, and the players were in a bad place last year. And, no, you know, just as you get to know this coaching staff as they've been here, I don't think they're going to get embarrassed like that again. Whatever mistakes they made last year or felt like they made, I expect them to handle it differently this week. Um Look, Virginia Tech comes in this game every year with the mentality that they're not going to lose, and we're kind of coming in there with a different one. Um, but you can't win a game with raw, raw, but you can win a game with, you know, precise practice um, and, and good execution on sa- uh, on game day. A lot of the game plan we used against Miami in the first half that they kind of thwarted in the second half as kind of the game went on. But a lot of that game plan can work against Tech. You know, Tech's vulnerable to deep passes because they're going to play a lot of man coverage. Um, rolling the quarterback out so he's not a sitting duck like like Matt and Kurt were last year is going to be a big thing. And look, Virginia's shown some tendencies this year. If they show that look and break it, I think, you know, some good things can happen. But look, Tech, tech is Tech. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's going to be a, a long day Friday, waiting till 8 p.m. and you know, reliving a long 13 years of, of pain and misery leading up to it. Um, but but I think I, I don't want to say it with too much bravado, but I, I think this Virginia team, if they execute and they're clean and play complimentary football, there's no reason we can't end this streak on Friday. Well, it's funny is that. We we said something very similar about Miami, right? That well, you didn't because your your computer died. But um, we 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 Still talked working now, brother. Well, yeah, you jinxed <laughs> Silence it. Silence speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking about like, um, you know, it. We, if you have, if you play, where like you know, you got to play complimentary football and be clean. I mean, realistically. Virginia just just kind of modeled that, right? They did everything right except for all the things that they did wrong. And that is in a nutshell the way tech thrives. I mean, listen, we 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 among us three, spoiler alert, among us three, we we joke about tech being the LTE, the luckiest team ever. Go watch a tech game sometime. There will be some portion of the game where uh, uh, randomly the other team will just do something incredibly stupid or some player will, will do something incredibly stupid and there will be some turnover and it will bounce and it just happens. And I, I, I do think that in college football, you sort of make your own luck. So there's something that they're doing right and, and more credit to them. Um, 
but ultimately you in a way you have to help them um you have to help them be great and over these years what is it 13 like Virginia's done a whole lot of helping tech be great and last year it didn't even take that much um I think Dave's right. I think that team was in a very different spot. It's really crazy to me to think that we saw that debacle last year in Blacksburg, some of us in person, because, in essence, Kurt was just not in a place where he could handle the load. And now here he is. You know, he's a school record holder in passing yards in a game. He's 100 yards shy of of Matt Schaub's single-season record for passing yardage in a season. Um, And... Here he's coming off of a game where his offensive coordinator could not be more effusive in his in the praise, and and he's just not somebody who is effusive about anything. Um, and so he that he's come where he as far as he has, and yet it kind of feels like he has a ways to go in order for Virginia to to sort of feel confident about this game. Uh, I think it says a lot about sort of not just this rivalry, um, but also where kind of where Tech is. Now I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about emotion, right? I forget which one of you guys said said this a minute ago, but they they I think it was Dave said that you know they go into this game, you know, expecting not to lose or whatever. Um, this was the first year I can remember, at least since I've been on the beat, where a Virginia team or coach or players or both handled this game as if it was different. Bronco essentially saying like, yes, this game is different, um, but it has to be both. Like you sort of have to handle it as if it's another game, but you also be mindful that it's not. It is the you know to him it's a state championship game. It's a um, it's a big deal. Um, you know, he joked about the whole idea that you know folks would tell him when he first took the job that essentially he had to win one game for them to have a successful season, and he wasn't really sure they were joking. And I I spoke up and I said I have a message board. Promise you they weren't kidding. Um, emotionally, I wonder if that. If that what that effect is gonna what effect that will have on this game, I mean, listen, I think it's a lot more impactful that you know Brenton Nelson doesn't sprain his ankle or that um, that uh, you know Juan Thornhill doesn't re-aggravate his uh, his glute or his quad or his groin or whatever leg injury he's been dealing with um, the latter part of the season. But I do think that this emotional as- this emotional angle is important because I think I remember being on the field in like 2013. Um, before the game, and I remember Shane Beamer hyping them up, and it was like it, the assistant. It was like it was like they were getting these guys ready to like literally go to war. Um, the emotional angle has has long been an issue uh, for UVA, and I've talked about it, um, whether it's radio shows or podcasts or whatever. Um, I, I wonder how different that is this year. But I'm watching t- and watching Tech this year. I just don't see a team um, that I feel like can sort of summon that same emotional energy. Like, they just don't seem like the same team. What do they seem like to you guys? Um, Dave, let's start with you. What do, what do you think specifically of this Tech team uh, and how, I don't want to say scared of you are you of them, but but where, but where do they where do they sort of shape up in terms of the way you feel about UVA going into this game? I mean, I think Tech's the same thing, the same team we've seen for, the last decade plus on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they're, they're mean, they're ugly, they're nasty. They're going to talk, they're going to run their mouth. They're going to come after you. Um, I think the big difference since Fuente has been there is the offense doesn't kind of complement that. I, I don't want to say his offense is finesse cause it's, it's not pure finesse, but you know, it's not Brandon Orr or, or Kevin, you know, Kevin Jones or whatever 
lining up and, and just pounding you. They're, they're trying to – like there's a disconnect between their offense and defense. Um, I, I think the way, way you beat Tech is, is by bringing the same force with your defense and, and slowing down their offense and hoping you can force more mistakes than they can. And a lot of what that de- a lot of what they do on defense is just getting, you know, is trying to get you to make a mistake by playing fast. You know, sometimes you have to take a sack against Tech. Sometimes you have to throw the ball away. Sometimes you have to be willing to run the ball up the middle and lose a couple yards because that's where they're most accept- susceptible. Um, they're a team that historically, defensively, has struggled against you know quick hitting run plays up the middle. They if you're going to attack them, you attack them vertically up the seams. Um, and both of those are where Virginia has struggled. Um, a running quarterback, but you know that's not going to happen before, before Friday. So as far as the additions of uh, you know, the many, many variations of tech teams we've seen over this losing streak, I mean, it, it's other than the offense being a little less physical than what we were used to, Jackson is more of a passer than a runner, but he can hurt you with his feet. It's still, I think, what Virginia does to handle their defense. If you look at the streak, rarely has it been their offense just blowing us out. It's usually our offense cowering to the physicality of their defense. Um, you know, I have some confidence in the way we handled the physicality of Miami last weekend, um, but a lot of it's going to have to do with number six and. You know, this is the last game of the season. Is the off- is an eye going to let Kurt pull it a little bit and run? You know, is, is health less of a concern? Hold on, up, pause, yeah. pause. Wait a minute. You really think it's a good idea for the non-running quarterback to all of a sudden try to be a run? I, I'm, I'm no, not no, really no, following no. you on here, Dave. you got to give me more than this. Well, look, what game was it that Kurt had two, like, big first down runs? Um Right, but those at Georgia Tech, like you don't have to run consistently. You just let them pull it a couple of times, and all of a sudden they have. If you if you have to, if you hold up for a beat as a linebacker crashing down or a defensive end crashing down on the mesh point, and when we're handing off other out of the shotgun, that changes a lot. Um, I mean, so, no, frankly, I don't, I don't I expect, I don't expect rather... Kurt to have twenty carries, but no, the I... one or two is one or two planned quarterback carries could make a big difference in a game like this. I don't know, man. I think... red zone too, like when you I have mean, those kind it's of one... plays. I mean, it's one thing to ask him to be to be willing to pull it down, but we we all know that Kurt str- the place where Kurt struggles is when he has to take his eyes down. He's har- it's it's hard for him to keep his eyes up. I think the last thing you want that dude to do is to be thinking about okay, but but you know what? If you if you if you can go get a few yards, plus this is going to be the. Fa- I mean, I realize that they've played a, a, some good defenses, but Tech's defense is historically incredibly fast, east to east to west. The last thing you want to do is have this guy thinking he can make a, you know, that oh, let me go pull this down, and then they close that space. I think the better attack plan is a lot of what they did against Miami. But you have to essentially take like one of the things that they didn't do against Miami, all of the crap around the line of scrimmage. How many of those those stupid second and one, second and four plays did they run, where they throw it out to to some somebody at you know a yard and a half behind the line of scrimmage out wide? They didn't do a lot of that. That's the kind of play that you can't run against a fast defense, and. I think one of the reasons they had success is they essentially they gave Kurt more options over the middle, uh, and they t- and they stopped trying to to challenge everybody wide and trying to out to outflank everything. Um, 
I'm yeah, not... you mean right? Like, I, I'm not. I'm not advocating for like Kurt to come in to run the read option, but like if it's third and one or it's third and two, and you're lining up in a if you if you run it go into that diamond set with Oz, uh, Jordan, and then you run Joe Reed over, like they did a couple times against Miami. You know what? Let Kurt run up the middle, like you know, fake and run up the middle. Like it doesn't need to be five or six, you know, or ten carries. One or two can make a big difference in getting the defense to think about it on the third and short later in the game. And, you know, even when you go back to the 2003 when we did beat him, Matt had a couple of runs for first down. Like, you, you've got to be willing to put your quarterback in the line of fire against Tech because essentially, if he's not a dual threat quarterback, they don't account for him in their defense, you know, as a running option. So you're not going to beat Tech that, you know, coming in at, at having Kurt run the ball 10 times, but you need to have that one or two runs dialed up in a, in the right situation if you're going to take advantage of this defense. Because if you run up in third and one and hand it to Ellis from the shotgun, it's going to be a long day. And I don't want to make it seem like I, – I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that Kurt picking up some yards on the ground isn't important. I'm saying that to go out there with a plan – you know what I'm saying? Like what you essentially – what you want him to do – he did it a couple times against Miami too, where he sort of saw that there was some real estate went and got. It. I think there was one first down he went and, and ran for. But realistically, the way you're going to beat Virginia Tech if you're Virginia this season is wide receivers have to catch the ball. Um, drops when they are an issue, the offense just can't can't sustain itself. Um, it wouldn't be a bad thing to I don't know maybe run the ball a little bit. Um, I thought the way Anai used Reed uh, and Zacchaeus in the running game was 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 really smart. Um, I, I just don't I want I worry if it's sustainable. I'd like to see him do a little bit more, um, moving pieces around the field. Uh, maybe Kirk's at a place where he can do that. Um, I'm curious. I know Texas had some some injuries, but I'm not really sure um, how impactful those are and change how much those change things for them. But realistically, I just don't know if if going out with a plan to for Kirk to run more really changes much other than gives him something else to think about. And it sounds like from the way Anai talked after that game Saturday that that dude's got enough on his plate as is. Um, that being said, Ferber, what about you, man? Uh, where do you come down on this whole, you know, turning Kirk into Vic Hall thing that Dave apparently – I'm kidding. He doesn't want to do that. But <laughs> that, that's kind of where I thought he was going for a minute. But anyway, do you do – no, no. Where, where do you – how do you, how do you, how do you come, where do you come down on this? I actually agree with Dave. I think if they do it once or twice, it's not a bad idea. Um, I mean, they've done quarterback design runs this year, and they've worked. So it's not like it's something he's never done before. Um, I wouldn't be running them all the time. But the way that Virginia Tech blitzes a lot off the edge and up the middle, I mean, you can you can take advantage of that with draws and stuff like that. Um, I would run it maybe once or twice early and then just go away from it, but then it gives you something else to think about, which is, I think, what Dave was trying to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to find ways to get Zacchaeus in space, and I've been saying it all year, and, and when they when he is in space, he scores touchdowns. So, I mean, whatever it takes to get that dude the ball, just get him the ball, because he's the one guy that is athletic enough against Tech's defense, maybe Joe Reed, to, br- to bust plays wide open that aren't over the top of the defense. And... Tech's defense, you know, you can beat them on that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, they've shown it before. So, I mean, I think those plays are there to be made. It's just going to come down to execution. And honestly, the way that this team has played all year, I think we're going to know pretty early on what 
UVA is going to play like the rest of the game in that first quarter. Um, if they come out clicking on offense and things are looking good, then there's a pretty good chance that they can sustain that. If they're three and out, three and out, three and out, um, they're going to find themselves in a tough spot, and then Tech's defense is just going to feed off of that in you know indecisiveness, inconsistency, and, and roll. Um, I, I think it's yeah, find ways to get reads. The key is the ball. Maybe maybe eliminate some of the jet sweep stuff. I would still run it, you know, every once in a while. But like you said, they try to they do a pretty good job uh, horizontally across the defense of tracking guys down with the ball and, and eliminating big plays and tackling guys for loss. So yeah, I mean, I think you just gotta take what you can get, but then try to get explosive plays in the passing game with uh, yards after the catch. And on that note, let's get into the prediction business. Uh, Dave, in the preseason, you had UVA winning this 21 to 20, um, in your, I guess your, uh, desire to never have, have to pick tech to win this game. Uh, how do you feel now? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> take this as a, with, with whatever grain of salt you need to, but <clears throat> I, I do have confidence in this, in this game. I, I like moving the pocket we saw with Kurt. I think our, our team's going to be a little more mentally prepared for this game, and I don't expect to see a different quarterback every other snap. So that's a positive versus last year. I think Virginia wins this game and puts the monkey off my back. I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring because I, I have a hard time seeing it 21-20. So I think it'll be close. I'll go 28-24 Virginia. Late interception to stall the game-winning draw from Tech. Huh. Okay. Celebrations uh, for days. Ferber, <laughs> in the preseason, you had, it looks like Virginia Tech won this 28 to 14, 12? Some number that had a one in front of it. Uh, how, do you, <laughs> how do you feel now? Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, UVA lost the game 41 to 10 to Boston College and got blown out by Pitt. So, obviously, the performance, like a pad performance is kind of possible, but... Even in the games that they've lost since then, I feel like they've played better. So I think that they're kind of refocused. And uh, as far as Tech's concerned, I think that loss to Miami kind of changed the way the course of their season. Um, you know, that game was a big game for them. They had a chance to kind of retake the Coastal, um, and uh, they weren't able to do it. And Miami kind of had their way with them. And then I think at that point, you know, their season becomes, well, we're just playing for pride and try to win some games. Uh, you go down to Atlanta, you're not that focused. Georgia Tech, hungry for a win after losing to UVA, comes out and beats them. Um, that's a game in past years that they probably would have won, but I think the focus probably just wasn't there, and that probably transit translated over to Pitt this week. Um, again, another game that is kind of meaningless in the grand scheme of things. So I think that this week gives them a chance to refocus. Um, obviously, like you said, that they, they – <laughs> They take this game very seriously down there, and uh, and I understand that, and it means a lot to those guys, but at the same time, I think it means a lot to UVA's players as well. I like the fact that this is a night game. I feel like we might get a, a nice crowd, a, a boisterous crowd, uh, one might say, a, a, a well-hydrated crowd, or I guess dehydrated crowd. <laughs> um, so I think the potential is there for a win. It's uh it's one that I've gone back and forth on for the last few days, and I'm gonna go twenty eight twenty four Virginia in a close win. Wow. Oh man, y'all gonna put it on me, huh? All right. In the in the preseason I had Virginia Tech winning this game thirty one to twenty seven. 
Um, I think a lot of times I like to default to who has the best player, right? It's a little bit less important in football than basketball where one guy can change so much. But realistically, I look at this and I think um, – I look at Tech and I see a lot of interesting pieces. I'm just not sure um, why I'm continually not impressed with them uh, this year. Now, some of that I think is they, – they have had some injuries. Um, they lost one of the Edmondses. Um they're going to have to um, hold their breath a little bit um, on Trayvon Hill, I think, and, and Mahota, um, who I think have both um, were both nicked up in the um, – no, excuse me, it wasn't Hill. It was uh, Mook Reynolds, free safety, uh, and Mahota at defensive end. I like Tech's defensive line, and had UVA play really poorly on the offensive line against Miami, I would be much more concerned. But I thought after that show in Louisville, they did a nice job of sort of rebounding. Um it's funny. I keep thinking. I keep going back and forth on one question, which is: if UVA had won the Miami game, what how what would I think of this this game? And I almost wonder if I wouldn't be more apt to pick Virginia Tech because I wonder if UVA would sort of be back in that place where they sort of expect it. Um, I thought Bronco saying during his presser that you know the team was as disappointed as he's seen them on Saturday, but that was not because they were um, down on themselves, but that they know that they had a huge opportunity that they let get away. Um, but that by the time they were there Monday morning, you know, they were back and they were ready. Um, so I, I think against my, my better judgment, um, I am going to pick UVA. Um, look, eventually you keep, you keep doing this enough. (laughs) The law of averages said eventually it's going to happen. Right. Um, so I, I'm actually just going to, um, going to amend my score just slightly. I'm, I'm going to say UVA wins it, uh, um, 28, 24, um, mainly because I think, uh, you know, a lot of what they did against Miami, I think translates, uh, I think, I think it's a good thing when you see a really good team, uh, and then you play another good team. Uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I, I wouldn't call tech really good, but I think they're good, especially defensively. They got a lot of speed. There's a lot of similarities, I think, between what they do, uh, schematically in, in a lot of ways and, and sort of the athletes they, they want to put on the field. Um, Sometimes it's good to to start with the fastball pitcher because um, then everything else, um, you know, the bats are, are whatever. I'm I'm gonna drop that analogy because I don't know if it makes any sense. But anyway, I kind of feel I feel I feel a lot better about where UVA is right now than I certainly did coming out of that Louisville game. Um, and I think the emotional aspect is going to be at play. I think Broncos uh, handled it uh, the right way, which is to talk about and. Um, which is his, his, his sort of uh, refrain. So 28-24, who's uh, – we will see Friday night uh, if that actually carries. Did every one of us pick 28-24 who's – Did they re- Did we really? I don't really pay attention yes, to what you guys say on the do. podcast. I just yeah. – I just, I'm all, only, all three of us picked I'm really only here for myself, let's be honest. I don't really care about you guys. If Virginia wins this game 28-24, we're just – send your donations to <laughs> – yeah, honestly, the reason I picked it that way is because you did. I figured we would get some symmetry going with our stupidity. Yeah, well, we got some. Yeah, I mean, it's al- it's almost like there's a body of work that tells us not to do this. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, hey, they it break. It should the be streak. a lot of fun, though. It should be they a break lot the, of fun. They break the streak. Nobody's going to care. Yeah. Night game, True. Scott Stadium, should be fun. It's been a while. Good times. 
All right. Well, I think that's obviously a good place to put a pin in it. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show through uh, this uh, football season. Obviously, we will have one more game to cover after this. Um, hopefully, uh, we will have uh, more information on the bowl situation once uh, once this weekend is over. Um, my guess is when do the, when do they? Oh God, it's been so long. Ferber, where's where, when? Like when do they start accepting bids? Will that be Sunday? Will we know? Like what's the What's yes, the general way no, this goes? It'll be, it'll be this Sunday after the championship games. So next Sunday. So so we have to wait another week. Yeah. I mean, there might be some like rumors throughout the week of who might end up where, but it's, they can't really select until they know who's going to the playoff, and then it just trickles down from there throughout that day because the playoff teams are selected around noon to Sunday following the championship games, I think. So usually well, we should know something that afternoon. But we'll have a much clearer picture after Saturday's game, when everybody's final regular season records are in. I mentioned it on the board earlier, but um, if UVA ends up two games behind uh, teams, and they will, I mean, if they end up 6-6, six and six, they'll be two games behind. Probably Louisville, um, probably Wake, um, probably NC State. So, I mean, if that's the case and they're two games back, then those teams have to be picked ahead of them in the bowl order. So, well, if that happens, then we'll know that, and we'll kind of have a better idea for where they might end up. So basically, it, they win this game, and it's probably military bowl, and they lose this game, and it's definitely military bowl. Is that basically? What yeah, it could be. I mean, it's still in play. I think if they get to seven wins, and then, then it opens up a, a lot of different options for sure. Um, Tech would lose in that scenario, and then honestly, I, this is kind of hard to believe. But if two ACC teams made the playoff, then Wake Forest could end up in the Orange Bowl. At eight and four, I mean that sounds kind of crazy, but if UVA wins and other things happen that way, then you know weird stuff happens sometimes. I mean that's how that's how UVA ended up in the Chick Fil A Bowl last time. People forget everybody thought that they were going to be going to you know Jacksonville or where I don't even remember where they were rumored to go back then, but um, they ended up in the Chick Fil A Bowl because some of the bowls ahead of them took ACC teams, and then UVA was just the best ACC team left, so. They ended up going to a bowl that was reserved for the number two ACC team, I think, because the conference had a team in the national championship game. Right. And uh, and then Tech ended up getting picked for the Sugar Bowl. So, I mean, it just kind of broke that way. Well, um, either way it goes, they're going to a bowl game. So that's that, that in and of itself is, 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 is a pleasant surprise. So we'll all have to get reacclimated to uh, to this whole bowl selection deal. Um, and then I, I know UVA in talking to their SID, it sounds like they, you know, we'll get some practices or we'll get some access of some description. So football season will live on for the first time in forever. It feels like, but again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Uh, I want to thank, uh, Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. Thank you very much. So for, uh, David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brian Franklin, publisher of calvescorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.